home, the power was out, so I had to end my call kind of uh, quickly. But mm-hmm. basically, kind of a, along the theme of, uh, I think, Merle's major point, uh, my, uh, my major observation was that I thought on balance uh, the better team won. Now, I will, uh, go, I'll explicate that with my, with my standalone comments today, and I have, like Merle, four or five in number, mm-hmm. and I hope uh, you'll allow me to go through them, Mike. Sure. Uh, Softy Mahler's old, side, uh, old sidekick, uh, Mitch Levy, used to have a segment where he, it was called Vent Your Spleen, which as a public service, he said, I'm just going to allow people to call in and vent just because it's therapeutic for their personal well-being. <laughs> and oddly enough, my touchstone for today's comments will be uh, Coach Gary Anderson, who, uh, uh, and, and, and Coach Anderson, by the way, is the only person associated with Oregon State Athletics that you can criticize and get away with, uh, perhaps even uh, even on this uh, on this show. But, but I don't want to dwell on that. Uh, again, this is bending your spleen. So among all of his faults, Coach Anderson had one great insight, which was that he kind of targeted the single greatest fault in Oregon State football culture which he denominated by the term administrative penalties. And that has continued to plague this program. It did prior to his being here. He picked it out early. It maybe was his only accomplishment in cleaning that up. And it endures. And I pinpoint exactly, Mike, what I consider to be the pivotal play of the game, the false start penalty more than halfway into the fourth quarter on the University of Washington 39-yard line. The great Jim Wilson himself has said many times, this Oregon State team, among its faults, it does not have the ability. It's a little bit of a front-running offense. If one little thing goes mm-hmm. wrong, they can't recover from it. Then there was the delay of game. That winning drive yeah. that Washington had could have and should have been Oregon State's burning out the clock, going down for the winning touchdown. Right. So the administrative penalty still bedeviled this program. Uh, this program. But the hallmark of the GA era, I said GA was going to be my touchdown, a touchstone, was ineffective quarterback play. Gentlemen, I've seen Oregon State football routinely since 1998-99. And there's been some times of great quarterback play and not so good quarterback play. But within the confines of a particular game, I never saw a performance gap, a competency gap, as deleterious to the Oregon State position as I saw on Friday night. In other words, the Oregon the Washington quarterback was so much better than quarterback play on the Oregon State side that that, that kind of set an all-time record. And I would go further and to say that with even average quarterback. I'm not talking about Heisman, Mar- Marcus Mariota, mm-hmm. Sean Mannion, uh, just average quarterback play. Oregon State could, would certainly, is likely to be 8-1, and one, conceivably even 9-0. and oh. So here's my major point, and I hope I can continue beyond. The failure, the, the, the lackluster level of quarterback play is a major failing of this coaching staff, principally Coach Smith himself, because it's the most important position on the field, and Oregon State is, uh, is, just, is just not at, at par with its peers. And you don't have to look very – we are not able to keep high-quality quarterback recruits. 
and we're not able to bring in someone through the transfer portal. And you don't have to look very far to see what that can do for a program. I'm not talking about Lincoln Riley bringing in the guy to SC. I'm talking about the quarterbacks in Pullman and Seattle and Eugene. Well, and even a guy coming, oh. and Jack Plummer at Cal too. I mean, yeah, he's putting he threw for he threw for four hundred six <laughs> against USC this yes, past and Saturday. In, and, and in garbage time in the Cougar game at Palo Alto on Saturday, when the Cougs got way ahead, they brought in their second teamer, and he moved the offense as effectively as their starter. Mm-hmm. So here's so uh, John. So I'm just going to end with this: you famously and de- deserve with deserved fame for asking a challenging question to Coach Pat Casey. I'm going to challenge you and turn to challenge Coach Smith because he's going, to, he's going to be in that room with you in 20 minutes or less. 20 minutes or less. I want you to say, ask, what's wrong with Christian Jebbia? And why, given the state of play at the quarterback position, why shouldn't he get a shot to be the starting quarterback this Saturday at Cal? So I'll end there. I've vented my spleen. Thank you for helping me with my therapy from Friday night <laughs> tumultuous a lot weather and, and loss. Uh, I look forward to listening to the rest of the program with interest. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Goodbye. Okay, John, it's on you. There you go. Yeah, uh, there, there's a lot of no. – I don't think you'll be asking that type <laughs> of question. I think he'll, it may come up from another interlocutor perhaps. Yes. But uh, – the diff- there's a major difference between the context of your apparently now legendary disagreement with or at least challenging question to the one and only. Uh, thank you, Doc. To the one and only uh, Pat Casey. But that was just you and he in his office. There's right. a big difference. Yes. And I, now, granted, Plus you, it was you, a... and it was, it was for air, and there was a little bit of a jocular tone and right. nature to it. right. So he this, was, it was a it was the end of a conversation yeah. where he was saying, "Well, they get they get, you know, they get nervous when I'm nervous, and then you know when I pace around." And so the only well, thing left to say was, "Well, um, <laughs> are you going to stop pacing around?" That's really all I said because okay. he led yeah. me right no, to no, it. No, no, I know. So I think what you're I think we're going to say to Dave now you're going to be gravely disappointed in, in because it, it, you're not going to step up. But the, the, the topic will come Nor up. Nor will I. The topic certainly will come up. It'll come up because you could, you could clearly see the difference. Yeah. Now, no, it won't come up in the, ref, in the form of, you know, why haven't you been working on this? Well, yeah. You should have, you know. Yeah. I don't know that uh, they didn't think that things were, were okay the way they were. And, and we, there may be issues with, with Tristan that we're not privy to that they can't or don't want to say. And, and uh it is what it is. The only the big question, really, and Nick jumps right at it. He's oh, yeah. the first one to say, "What's the deal with Chance this week?" <laughs> John, I'm I'm sorry. It's not. I. That's not that. Believe me, that's not gleeful, joyful laughter no. right there. It's just almost a surrender to. Hey, I. I don't know what to say other than we will take a break and then await Jonathan Smith joining us here at noon. In fact, when we visit, when we come back, Ron Callen has dropped by, bringing me back items I left in the press box. I was wondering. Uh, Yeah, that's they're handing out. uh, No, this iPad here on this little, this little. uh, Yeah, little uh, stand. Little stand. That's our stats monitor. 
No, people these days, they used to, they, back in the old days, they yeah. bring around paper copies of stats during yeah. games. They still do here. Well, I know, and they do a great job here. But At there the and quarter. many other places, we saw nothing. We had to beg for a final copy, a printed copy of a book at the end. Really? Yeah, I mean, and, and oh, okay, yeah, we'll bring you one. Did they ever bring in quarterly stats? No, no quarterly, no halftime. So, oh, so this thing here, this little iPad of mine, is what we use for a stats monitor during the game. And in my, I'm getting out of here, I can't take yeah. this anymore. I left it. I left it in the press box, so I've been without my iPad for the last couple of days using my wife's uh, PC and all are that you to get using, some work done. But there it is, during and the Ron game, brought it to me. During the game, are you using what we all see on the website where yes, you go to the yes. game, the da-da-da, which is good because they is have good. it broken down really good. No, it is, it is good, and without it, we're done. I yeah. mean, but thank you, Ron, for bringing it. Ron, Ron and I both have basketball games to call tonight, right. and I'm really looking forward to his preview of OSU women's hoops, mm-hmm. what he's expecting tonight, and a lot of new names and faces, as there will be for the men when yep. they play Tulsa tonight, the women against Hawaii at 6. Ron will have the call right here on 1240 Joe Radio. Uh, 5, 5.30 pregame. 5 o'clock pregame, 5.30 tip. That's right. Thank you. I'm glad you're here, Ron. Uh, <laughs> then when, am I, when do I go on the air? Oh, okay. <laughs> We're going to 8.30, 8.30, right, right when Thank I go you. to bed. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and come back. And the laughter, believe me, isn't, uh, I'm not laughing at the line of questioning or even the amount of criticism that's coming. I think it's it's pretty well taken and fair from what, you know, some of the things and observations Dave had to say. I will say this, though, about uh, about young Ben yeah, it was not a good game for him, and there was a disparity between the two quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. A major difference being this is a guy in Penix. Now, Penix Jr. has been injured a lot, but he started about 25 games collegiately. That was young Ben's fourth start, and they were in terrible conditions. And, and I, I, I'm just saying, even with all of that, you're still – you dominated the first. If you, it, yeah. To me, the game was almost. If you lost, you lost the game. I know that. I remember. I was there. I think it might have been lost on not scoring to go up fourteen nothing. Yes. It looked like you were about to. Yes, of course. If you do, you win. Yes, of course. A lot of people are saying the game and, was lost in the first and, quarter. And so, therefore, it, you know, there were issues later. I get it. And quarterback play, there was a disparity. That's also true. Uh, I'll, I'll but, say but this, though, yeah. uh, for all the greatness that was built up about Pennix Jr., great yeah. arm, okay, fine. But the Beaver defense made him look silly. No, the Beaver Much defense of that had, game. had a good game. There I mean, was this, a lot of terrible yeah, this passes. This game was not on the defense. No. I mean, but the last you, drive no. is one of those drives where it's like they've been out there the whole time, yeah. and, and they hit for – it was the third down conversion well, on the last drive. Well, that's what I'm saying. Not only that last drive, but – Previously, you know, fourth and ten, third and sixteen, yeah. a touchdown and third and goal, uh, third and goal from the twenty-four. I mean, there are bizarre things that happened to a defense that I thought otherwise yeah. held its own and played very yeah, well again. It was very, but I thought they did a good job against a guy that had you know all these accolades and everything. Yeah. It's just you can't maintain that. Yeah, for you needed a little more help. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. We'll take a break. Death by a thousand yep. scratches. Uh, we'll take a break. Come back to Ron and anything else you'd like to contribute. 497 5356 1240 Joe Radio. Hey, Beaver fans, this is Katana Ladapo, and you are listening Coming to back. the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. <laughs> 
Continuing with the Joe Beaver Show here on a Monday, and uh, we have, well, we're down to the last three games of the year, and we're all, Monday is a look back and a look forward, unfortunately more of a look back when you get Jonathan Smith, because he doesn't speak to the media after Mondays, so when it comes to changes that may occur during the week in practice or player availability, that's all done after Monday, and then the coordinators don't really bring that up, and so this is it, so we got to ask more questions about the uh, opponent than we normally do uh, on Mondays. Anyway, we we welcome uh, you back to the program. We've been uh, enjoying your texts and phone calls and understand uh, understand feelings. Oh boy, that was a rough one. But let's welcome in Ron Callen because basketball starts tonight. In fact, for both the men and the women, and it's not the only time that there's a doubleheader. That will happen on the 19th, of which I will be taking, calling both games, taking over for both of you guys yeah. sitting here in front of me. Yeah. So, uh, Good to see you, Ron. I do have to say the yeah. trip to Seattle was the most expensive road trip I've ever been on because Jimmy and I had a flat tire in Kelso. <laughs> Serious. On the way up. We had to put yeah. up the little mini tire. We got to Chehalis, <laughs> went to a couple of different tire places. Everybody was getting their studs put on in the state of Washington. They said it would be about four hours. Oh. So we had to make a choice. Do we roll the dice? No. We drove in that little tire all the way oh my to Seattle. <laughs> And then Should we have got stopped in Tumwater. Dave would have loaned you a car. <laughs> right. yeah, we got back to the hotel at 1. And then I got up at 5.30 to go get in line at the tire place. That opened at 8. Oh, oh. And was there a line forming? I was the first one. Okay, yeah. good for you. I had to be the first one because who knows. Yeah. I got out of there at 9.30, but the flat tire goes, well, we c- it, it, it's not fixable. That tire's no good. Brand new tire. Yeah. I've only had it 60 days. Well, there should be a warranty on well, that. Well, that's going to check into. I just haven't had time. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, 222 bucks. Oh, my gosh. But we got back. It was good and uh, excited about tonight. Uh, you know, game one, there's so many questions, very few answers about this team. But Before they've got a get, lot of talent. I, w- I have a football yeah. question. Yeah. Yeah. What, what were you t- thinking when the lights went out? Because you knew it was going to be a long time. You know, we didn't know how long it was. I listened to it. You sounded great. but The, w- the timing of it was weird. Right as they scored that touchdown. Yes. The explosions, they send off some fireworks. That's when it went out. So I yeah. thought maybe they shorted Overloaded something out. We'll talk to yeah. Sarah later about yeah. is that ever a worry around here, right. you know, yeah. because you're right. It was exactly just when, when they scored and then the lights go out. for the yeah. P, They attempted the PAT with the lights already beginning to And now, though, they're, they're, they're changing out bulbs to LED bulbs in football stadiums right. so that they can flip a switch and they'll come back on. Hmm. They, I think they could have technically played. It was like... When the light, both lights were out, it was like a, a high school game in a small town uh-huh. where there were the lights bad anyway. Most of the <laughs> yeah. stadium. I'm, I'm not putting no, down no, any no, small no. stadium. I, exa- I know exactly what you're talking about. I said I've seen games with worse lighting than this one. Exactly. We were saying you can't maybe play TV it. needed more light. I don't know. Oh, maybe. No, well, those cameras are pretty darn great in yeah. low light situations. I, I look fine to me on TV. Ron, you dealt with just before we talk hoops. You know, I, we had a caller earlier on the show. You might have heard Merle on the way down saying this was not a heartbreaking loss because, you know, you. in fact, he said none of them have been, the three. Utah is certainly explicable, and in spite of controlling much of the game against USC, you felt kind of proud almost coming out of it. Anyway, yeah. you know, and, and then you're on the road at Husky Stadium against a veteran quarterback in Penix Jr. and all that, and you, you lost by three in a last-second field goal, essentially. So there's nothing to be ashamed of in any of these defeats by any means. But for me, they are heartbreaking, and it felt like you dealt with a pretty devastated locker room. That was the toughest locker room situation. They were just, they were so deflated just Mm -hmm. because 
they came in pretty quick after the, the, the final whistle went off. I just thought that one drive in the fourth quarter when the penalties, they set them back. They yeah. had a chance to take the lead. Right. And they looked and like they were on their way yeah, to do that. And they, they outplayed Washington in so many aspects. Yep. Mm -hmm. You're right, John. I mean, as far as the, their offensive line gave him a lot of time to throw. Despite that, I thought our DBs and, yeah. you know, the linebackers played okay. So winnable, slipped away. Yeah. So tonight, yeah. you know, we're in that exciting time of year when we've got a lot of overlap and a doubleheader for hoops tonight. You've got the pregame at 5, and I look, I've been looking at the roster. I see a few names. Talia von Olhoffen will start with because she's the leader, but also it's kind of a big night for her. Huh? Exactly. Her mom, Tandi, played at Hawaii back in the 1980s, and so there's that connection. Plus, uh, her name is Melani McBee. She's on the roster, a sophomore at Hawaii. Oh. She played high school ball with her, so they're oh, pretty cool. close. Okay. And so they watch each other's games online, but tonight they get to go against each other. That's a nice little you know, a sidebar story to what's cool. going on. In the other case, we've got five talented young freshmen, and I think four of them will play. Tamia Gardner has had some kind of an injury. They haven't okay. released what it is, but I think she'll set out tonight. Okay. Ben Duyaney may sit out again tonight. We might get the first look at Shalexis Aaron, mm -hmm. uh, who, you know, the transfer who had, a, had an ankle injury earlier in camp, but she's good. She's a great kid. She was part of the camp this summer. We got to know her and Ben Du this summer when the uh, basketball camp took place at Gill. So, and then we've got the returnings. You've got a Yelena Mitrovich yeah, at 6'9". Yeah. Getting could ready dominate. for a breakthrough kind of year. I think right? so. It's kind of like Ruth Hamblin right. when she got to her junior year. Mm -hmm. you know, so keep an eye on her. How do you say Martha's last name? Peach? Marta Peach. Marta Peach. Yeah, that's a silent uh, H. Seth Peach. Yeah, it's the way what it reminds me. Seth Peach. Yeah, she right. is uh, she's mm -hmm. sh really sharp, and she's <clears> fast. You know, you want those point guards to be quick. She's quick. Bendu's a great defender quick. I think the quickness ratio... Uh, on the, the the Oregon State Beaver defense is going to improve immensely this year. And, hey, Reagan Beers, 12 rebounds in that exhibition game. Her first game, you mm -hmm. know, is an exhibition game. But she can play with her back to the basket. She can block out. She can block shots. And she's strong. Mm -hmm. I mean, so keep an eye on uh, Reagan Beers. They call her Ray. That's her nickname. Yeah, okay. It looks like the sense I'm getting, too, is that A.J. Marat, is just going to build on what she did last year. Last year, everybody thought she was the best athlete. Now she's learned the system, and she's coming in almost as, hey, I've got to take a leadership role. There's only four of us who are returning. Mm -hmm. And so A.J., as a sophomore, I mean, she had a great exhibition game. Let's see what happens tonight against a good Hawaii team. So A.J. and Talia really will take over and, and being – the leaders, the and vocal Yelena, leaders. Maybe. Yeah, and also Noel Mannon. As she, yeah. uh, as you know, as a walk-on years ago, but she's got a scholarship now. She's she knows how to play point guard. She can play the two, you know. So I, I think that's very important. Well, and then and then also they have to have the the older players for all these new kids have to be leaders in what in teaching what the the system is, right? And what Scott expects. He got them here early. You know, some of them came for camp. They had a retreat over on the Oregon coast. I guess the big battle was the uh, touch football game on the beach uh -huh. where the upperclassmen and the coaches beat <laughs> the freshmen so the freshmen have a chip on their shoulder Good about that. Good. They talked about that at the kickoff banquet. What was Oregon State, do you recall, whether it be coaches or, or media, picked in the preseason? The they conference? were picked fifth or sixth, depending on the, the, the two this polls. Year? So right in the middle. Yeah, okay. And so I think there's a lot of, you know, who knows? That's what? actually given... 
given the, the loss. Given the attrition, the, yeah. some of the losses of key players, and given the, the uncertainty about some of the new players and so on, I think that's, you know, some years you go into that thing and say, oh, boy, that's not a great deal of respect, but that's a program kind of pick, it sounds like yeah. to me, given that you didn't go to the tournament mm-hmm. last year and mm-hmm. you have, I mean, I, I, if that's about where they've been slotted, I, I don't think that that's an element of, well, we're going to have a big chip on our shoulder for being picked uh-uh. fifth or sixth. You know what I'm saying, Ron? Right. It almost seems like given all the circumstances, that's about right maybe, and you, you don't go into with that chip per se? I, I think the program's history uh, l- yeah. lends it to, to be given more attention. Yeah. You know, like this morning the new era for Duke started. Kennedy Brown played 17 minutes, oh, really? six for six from the field. She had 13 points. Taya Corsdale played 17 minutes. I think she had four. I think they beat whoever they were playing by 20. Oh, I'm but, not sure uh, that I, you know, and that I've been feeling pretty good up to now that it's almost a <laughs> reminder, Ron. Yeah. You know, but, but that's the portal world. It I is. Mean, we've got a home and a home with yeah. Plummer this weekend. I mean, yes. it's two different teams, though. I mean, it's really <laughs> weird. Yeah. Right? And he, by the way, is coming in. Uh, is coming in hot. He threw yeah. for 406 yards and had a huge second half against USC. Now, there are some people that are trying to ascribe that to USC's uh, being somewhat uninterested up 34-14. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. But they were certainly interested when, when Cal recovered an onside <laughs> kick and got it to within 34-27. I mean, that game did tighten up, and when they were one more onside kick away from having a chance to win it. Now, it's hard to get two in one game. But mm-hmm. Cal, I think, is going to come in rejuvenated. Even though they've lost five straight, I think they feel like they can come in here with, with their offensive attack improved significantly in the last few weeks than it was early, thinking they can come in and win the game. The Beavers are going to have to be ready to play well. You know, I haven't seen their schedule the last three games, but they're 3-6, and six, so if they win all three, they're 6-6. You know Wilcox yeah. is going to go, look, yeah. you know, we can beat Oregon State, we can beat Stanford. The, the third game, I'm not sure who they're playing. Yeah, but still, I yeah, mean, they've no, got incentive. They do, and they're playing better on offense. And you're right about the home and home because they played them. It's not just film; right. they actually played them. The players know, you know, whatever the tendencies were for uh, Purdue last year. Yeah, and <coughs> obviously he's a good quarterback. Yeah, but I, I, I wonder how much tape from the Purdue game they will watch of him. I'm sure maybe some. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out shortly. Yeah. Well, Ron, uh, I appreciate you bringing me back, our, our stats monitor from Husky Stadium. Um, I was ready to walk out of that place, and I didn't. Usually, I'm, you see me gathering everything up. These football games take – we got a lot of stuff spread out all over I've the place. I've forgotten stuff over the no, years. No, and, yeah. and so I forgot it. You brought it to me. Appreciate that, and look forward to hearing you at 5 o'clock. I'll be popping in for the end-of-year game, getting ready and looking forward to watching this new group of players, speaking of which, as we await Jonathan's arrival here. You've talked to Scott a lot Mm -hmm. leading into this, Scott Ruick. He and Wayne Tinkle both are almost talking about fresh Fresh starts, clean starts. Wayne has used the phrase, this is like year one for us. When he got here in 2014-15, I don't know if Scott's gone that far, but I feel like he thinks he's, he's sort of back in trying to build the thing back up again when he got the job here and we saw what he built it into. I, I agree. I, he's talked about that. This is a fresh look, a new team, but with the four returners, yeah. of course. So I, he's confident. He's excited. He knows this is one of the most talented rosters he's had. So uh, we shall see what takes place beginning, well, 5.30 tonight. Are you going to Germany with the Seahawks? I should, right. but no. <laughs> no, you know, in fact, the next two Seahawks games, I can't, I can't make them. Because of? Because Beaver. of the Oregon-Oregon State women's game December the 11th. Okay. And then Thanksgiving weekend, I'm going to be 
Well, there's, we've got three games that weekend with the uh, PK-85. And football. Iowa on Friday. So you have three games that weekend also? Yes. Three basketball games. Two basketball games one and football. one football game. Okay. How many basketball men's games are there? Three, I believe. I think three? I've got a, I've got Thursday three. Thursday for sure. Yeah. Well, you start three. We don't start till Friday. Yeah, I've got three. So and, you're on Thanksgiving, you're playing? Yeah. yeah. Oh. We're At playing noon Thanksgiving against Duke. Day. Against the new era, the, the new yeah, era of Coach Shire's era. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, but three basketball games and a football game on Thanksgiving weekend. Well, it's gonna here be we go. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. <laughs> we do. No, we do. I tried to say, hey, I'm available, but you're here, so you got to do well, it. It's home. Yeah, if it were an away tournament, it'd be a whole right. different story. That's right. <laughs> the Seahawks are having, and by the way, thank you for connecting us with your friend oh, Steve. Oh, have a good time with Rapes. Great yeah. conversation with a good man. Yes, really, he is. really. Uh, one he, of the better former player play-by-play people I've ever Yeah, heard. and it was a fun interview, and yeah. you could tell that uh, he's very fond of you. And, yes. Uh, oh, he did. Enough okay. to make fun of you. He gave you a few. Couple oh, good. A couple of little couple of jabs. affectionate jabs. Well, we go there. back yeah. f- to 1981 when we wow. had, so that's a long and haul. You, and you also said, as we wait, Jonathan Smith, he'll come in here in a moment. During the broadcast, I referenced the 1987 collapse. Mm-hmm. Of the of Husky Stadium in one of its renovations, the last renovation before the big one in 2012, but you covered that story. That that could have been disastrous because the workers, according to everything I've read, cleared out just a few minutes before that thing came tumbling down. I was out there maybe 30, 30 minutes after it happened, and you know Whoa. the big dust cloud that had taken place because of it. Because it was maybe three quarters finished. Yeah. And the whole thing came tumbling down. They were so lucky. Oh, my gosh. But uh, that's what, what did they say it was? It was a defect in the steel. Yep, there the was truss. some kind so of, of all the steel. Well, it was, it was a bad shipment of steel. And there yeah. were nine trusses going up, and that was the third truss. And there Whoa. was a bulge in it, and the iron worker said, we're getting off of this thing. And they did just in time, thank heaven. Ron, great to see you. See you tonight at Gill Coliseum. Uh, Ron helping us pass the time. Uh, as always, with a great conversation, head coach Jonathan Smith on this Monday press availability getting underway here on Joe Radio. Okay. Um, just like always, a quick recap of you know what we digested on the tape. Not a lot different than what we what we felt after the game. Uh, you missed opportunities offensively. Uh, not efficient enough. Obviously, the passing game needs to give us some uh, opportunity to score some more points. Um, limited opportunities after digesting it. I mean, you get eight total drives, um, but we got to be able to be able to score some more points. Um, defensively, you know, there's a lot a lot to like, but just some some critical moments where uh, we did not execute very well, and 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 they took advantage of that. Uh, credit to those guys playing a, a solid second half, better than we did in the fourth quarter ultimately. Uh, and so we did we did digest it, and now all eyes have been on Cal here for for a day and a half. Excited to get back home, uh, reach the stadium, play in front of Beaver Nation, the energy that they create, counting on it again this this Saturday against a, a program, I say this each week, but a program I got a bunch of respect for. I got a bunch of respect just watching their tape from the other night. You know, Sitting there, the record's not what they want. They go down there and battle a really good SC team all the way to the end. These guys um, are, are fighting, playing better, I think, the last few weeks. Uh, always presents problems defensively, and so they got our full full attention coming this weekend. Um, after the first couple losses, the, the players talked about you know, all our goals are still ahead of us. After three losses, some of those goals have to be out of the way. How do you how do you keep, how do you keep them focused? I guess on you know keeping yep. 
with some of those goals out of the way. We addressed a little bit of that uh, as a team, uh, and really just focus on what opportunities you have moving forward. We got a bunch in front of us. Um, excited about three games, two of them being at home. Uh, still have opportunity to finish the season with a, a record we can be really proud of. Obviously, we're going to play in the postseason, and so the opportunity we've got to, you know, make that game even better by the, the way we play. And again, we've got a mature group. There's no question there's some disappointment anytime you lose. Um, but they've, they've rallied back. I thought the, the vibe was solid yesterday with digesting the tape. And I'm expecting these guys to be really energized and inspired uh, this week. The one thing that seemed to stand out on defense was it just seemed like you couldn't get to Penix. And he had, I mean, it, there was times where he just had way too much time back there. Was there some reason in particular you, you're just having trouble getting getting past their offensive line? And getting, I, yep. to him? I'll start with credit to them. I mean, that old line can pass pro now, and they've shown it on tape each week. That guy uh, does a good job of when he needed to buy a little bit more time, he can do it, whether that's just getting depth in the pocket, sliding one way or the other. Ball came out pretty quick sometimes. Um, so, you know, it starts with how good they are. Um, and again, we did change our looks. We didn't sit there and blitz every snap. We could have probably got, got to him more if we'd done that. But then you put yourself exposed on the back end, and they got some good receivers. So, I mean, throughout the night, that offense, and for them to, you know, we held them to 24 points and really had opportunities to not even do that if we would have played a little better on third and fourth down. What happened on the, on the touchdown, on the busted coverage with the touchdown? Busted coverage, miscommunication, didn't, weren't on the same page. And, that's you give up touchdowns when you're not on the same page on defense. That that, that I guess on defense that was the other glaring thing was the, all the third and fourth and longs. Yep. Um, yep. How much did you guys go over that? Was was there something in particular that stood out? Start. Yep. Started with doing your job. Uh, we got a couple of just missed. I'll call it assignments. Technique in coverage that uh, especially I think about that fourth down, the first scoring drive they've got were. We're not playing the, the coverage correctly. Obviously, the bust on the other one, giving up points. And, and then, again, so often we just focus on ourselves. you got to give this guy credit. That quarterback's going to play in the National Football League, uh, and he, he did some good things on third down. Do you have an update on Chance? I really don't. Um, we'll see how he looks kind of this week in practice, but nothing, nothing different. And how much benefit do you get from not only a lot of film on Plummer coming up this week, but actually having played against him last year? Yeah, he beat us last year. Um, the guy continues to, uh, again, that offense in general, but that guy will stand in there and throw it. They've gotten better. Uh, I think they've found the, some things that they really like offensively over the last couple of weeks. And so um, he's a good player that can make a lot of, a lot of throws. When you get this late into the season, how much film do you watch? Do you go back and just watch the USC and Oregon game the last two, or do you go back to the first, say, couple weeks? Right. We definitely emphasize more recent games, um, but we're going to watch it all. Uh, sometimes, especially like if you think about them offensively, what schematic defense have they seen and how that's similar to us, and you emphasize those. But we'll watch it all, emphasize really the last, last month uh, on both sides of the ball. Hey, Coach, uh, regarding the play in the game on Friday night where the timeout was confused and all yep. that, and it, was Damian on the threshold of scoring on that play? Can you just kind of relive that for us? Yeah, um, he's definitely got a crease. I mean, they're starting to blow the whistle after he's, I think, down the field a little bit. But uh, whether he, he – I don't know if he's going to score, but it's definitely a large gain. Um, and, and, again, these are bang-bang plays. Uh, I'm moving down the sideline because the play clock is getting low. 
glance my eyes over if we're going to get this thing snapped or not, and he did. Um, but the, the back judge or side judge from behind felt like, yeah, that's what I wanted was a, was a timeout, and he, he called it. One more thing um, regarding Plummer. Is this the first time, maybe because of the portal, you faced a guy one year with one team and the next year he's on another team? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's pretty – it's interesting. Isn't it? it's, a, yeah, it's, a, it's a different day and age, and so it's not going to be the last time. Um, I don't know. I, we might have played somebody on two separate teams now, but he definitely – this might be the first time. Definitely you know because he's a quarterback. In, in regard to Damian – He's starting to prove that this isn't just a one or two game wonder. Um, was mm. there some? Is there something that you feel like he's really picked up that's that's caused him to you know, take this next step in this? Um, yeah, he's definitely playing better and better, uh, making some really good runs, uh, not going down on the first tackle. That shows up now repeatedly, and that turns into more explosive runs. Um, his confidence level, uh, in, in really being able to do all the, the style of runs inside, outside, gap scheme. Um, so his repertoire just keeps getting better and better. The, the fourth down calls in, inside the red zone. <clears throat> the first one made a lot of sense with Coletto being inside two yards. The second one, though, you've already missed one of those. Was there a did you was there a play you thought was going to work there? Why why why? I mean, that's what everybody keeps asking. Why not kick a field goal there yep. and, and take a you know two score lead? Yep. Um, the, oh, the first one, yeah, it, it's un, unfortunately it was actually fourth and one on the first one because we really needed to get it on third down. We didn't block that at all very well. And then we got to, to Coletto again, went to, back to a play we had run already. That was probably the problem, maybe a, a different call. But again, you got Jack Coletto, we need to get that done. The other one, longer yardage, fourth and maybe three, three and a half. Uh, with the wind, the value is seven versus, there's no guarantee that it's three, seven versus zero. You know, go for it in this. It's just like missing a field goal. Um, and again, when you talk to our players, and it's our brand, it's not always going to work. But um, we're going to err on the side of aggression down there. Are you are you still a little cautious with, with Hayes when it comes to field goals? Is no, he, you know, did he, you feel he, like he was close. No, he he was healthy. Uh, felt um, again, if we thought it was the right strategic choice to kick a field goal, we were going to we're going to do it with Everett and had confidence in him. The uh, you you had the the one play where you. Put Coletto in at Wildcat and then shifted him over to Fenwick. How long have you been sitting on that play? Yeah, we've had a couple of weeks. Uh, it was a good one, you know, and, and Deshaun makes a nice run, block really well. Coletto's got a bunch of pride in being that, you know, lead blocker. Not that he's perfect, he's still going to continue to clean that up, uh, but he made a huge block on that, a big time play. Your, your run pass balance, um, was that a game plan decision? Was that a or was that a weather condition decision on, on Saturday night? And would you like to maybe even that up just a little bit going forward? Yeah, I think it was both of it, schematically and the, the wind being a factor. Um, I think it ended up being like two to one. I don't know if that's quite the ratio we want. Um, but we were going to be a little bit run heavy going into the game. Uh, and again, you got to be able to adjust throughout the game. And the way the game was, wasn't a big old track meet, the style of play. I mean, it was, it was what we wanted in regards to, to running the ball. and. We, we got to find some ways to be more explosive in the pass game, saying it each week to complement this run game, and we got opportunity to do it this weekend. Is there an update on Trey Lowe's status for this? Closer, uh, closer. Um, we'll we'll kind of see how he responds throughout this week of practice because he did start to practice last week. Um, so we'll know what, by the end of the week. And Jade Knott, for them, is a freshman running back. How, how good is he? Really good player. I mean, good. He can carry it, but he can catch it. They're throwing him the ball, too. 
um, yeah, he, he's a, a well-rounded back that can carry it, uh, be physical, make you miss, and they're doing a good job with him, getting him touches. Thanks. All right, there you go. Let's take a break. We'll come back and continue f from the uh, Jack and Jenny Wilborn media room sessions with Sarah coming up for your questions and comments. And, uh, again, the number is 497-5356 for both the University Honda text line and the, uh, the Downward Dog phone line. Back after this on 1240 Joe Radio. All right, welcome back. We continue here on uh, the Joe Beaver Show. It's time for sessions with Sarah. We'll just give you this here, and we will take the questions for you. Um, and there we go. We, we hope that if you have any uh, on the yeah, we'll University Honda text line, we'll uh, pass those along to Sarah and hope that you will join us. 497-5356 on the Downward Dog Phone line, uh, you could pass something along to TJ, who could in turn uh, send it to us uh, through our headset or the University Honda text line, the same number. Sarah Elcano, Senior Associate Athletic Director for External Operations and on serves on Scott Barnes' uh, Executive Committee within OSU Athletics. So there's a lot always on Sarah's plate, and we appreciate you taking a little time for us, Sarah, here with uh, a session heading into the next to the last home game. And I don't know about you, just as a, you are as we all are here in this room now that the other media people have left. There, we're all big Beaver fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's go Beavs. We, take the, we, we exult in the wins and the losses are hard. That was a tough one Friday night. And I could tell as I got on the, the charter plane to fly home with Captain Andy Porman, uh, Ken and Sue Porman's nephew, got us home safely after the flight, but I, I made quick, I didn't even, you didn't make eye contact with me, but I saw you sitting morosely in the corner almost <laughs> of the plane, and I didn't blame you. That's exactly how I felt. So while we all try to ramp back up with enthusiasm for Saturday night, I think we acknowledge that was a tough one in Seattle. And let me explain that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> no, let me explain. Okay. So we, w I was on a particular personal tight turnaround. We had an amazing Hall of Fame Title IX 50th anniversary banquet on Saturday. Yes. And I knew I was heading home. I got little kids. They're going to wake me up early. <laughs> I never sleep on the flight uh, home, uh, but I uh, thought uh, I need every minute I can okay. get. So I actually did. But um, Good. After wins, it's hard to fall asleep. No, you're yeah, up. You're talking losses. about everything. But yeah. it, that was a, a loss that was almost, I mean, it was silent. It was pretty much silent, uh, the entire plane, a few folks here and there, uh, occasional jabbering you'd hear, but it felt out of place. Yeah. It didn't feel quite right. But it's important, I think, Sarah, just from your perspective, and Jonathan touched on it today, too, that the guys, I hope, even if the goal of winning the Pac-12 title and going to the Rose Bowl, that's not attainable now. It just isn't with three losses. A lot of other good things are still in play, including a, a, a pretty good bowl destination if you keep going out and winning games. Right. You know, and I think, I mean, to go back for a second, we, we've won, right? We, we get that miraculous Fresno win at the end the Stanford finish. Mm -hmm. And I do think speaking in fan mode for a second, yeah. you get a few of those and you start to think it's a close game again and we've won that we're going to win again, yeah. you know, but you know, it just doesn't, that's not the way sports work. So um, yeah, no, now you transition. And I think where Jonathan is so consistent is coming off a win, coming off a loss, big, small, mm -hmm. doesn't matter the opponent. They do the same thing every week. 
and they immediately, you know, they watch film, they learn from that, and they transition to the next, whether they've won or lost. And so the recipe is always the exact same. And it never seems like this team comes in unprepared or overlooking an opponent or anything like that. So, and I think happy to be back home, right? I think it's good timing to have, you know, that tough loss against a Pacific Northwest rival and then turn around and, okay, at least we're back at Reeser. Unlike the last really tough punch in the gut loss to USC, what were you doing the next week? Going to Utah. <laughs> yeah, right. right. We don't have to do that. Well, you, you mentioned what the team has to go through. It's the same. Same for you in the respect that now you're coming home, nothing changes, you still have to entertain, you still have to coordinate, you still have to make sure people are safe and do all of the new promotions. What What is coming up this week that uh, um, may be different from any of the games past? Big, big one as far as that goes. So fall family weekend, which is a huge deal on campus. Um, student tickets are absolutely gone, and we'll have a bunch of families also in attendance with those students. Cool. Um, game is, you know, sold out, sold out, sold out, underlined. All the tickets in every area are gone. Um, so huge, rambunctious crowd, and then it's our military game. So we'll see some stuff, you know, from the very beginning, a flyover that I should note is weather-dependent, but mm-hmm. there is a flyover scheduled, a field-sized flag um, during the anthem, mm-hmm. which is, you know, just a really cool visual. I'll pause. I felt for those band members trying to hold on to that giant oh flag gosh. up in Seattle. I thought they were going to take it, yes. fly away like Mary Poppins. But yeah. <laughs> they did a great job, unsung heroes. But <coughs> anyway, so field size flag, military recognitions in game, you know, just, just some really cool pieces there. And um, we'll see, you know, maybe a new look a little bit in some places. That'll be fun, fun for the fans. There is a question on the text line that we were going to talk to you about anyway because it's such an oddity, and that is when lights go out. I mean, how weird was that in Seattle? And then, of course, the old school. This takes us back to playing in the gym in 1977, and you got to wait for the, the lights. And did I read somewhere? You had a release that one of the stadiums or Reeser is going to go LED, so you literally can flip the switch? Right. We are going LED uh, next season. So huge, yeah, we'll be able to take them down, and they'll immediately come right back mm-hmm. up, which will be really cool, you know, to play with that, especially night games, um, intro video, big plays, you know, scoring moments. We'll be able to do some very cool stuff with the boards and the lights. Um, but I know, you know, you kind of like a little bit when you go on the road and yeah. some things like that happen, <laughs> and then it's like these happen other places. Yeah. We, the lights went out, um, the women's soccer game down in Eugene. This past week, we were down there in Eugene, and the lights went out for a portion of that game and delayed it. So, you know, these things happen everywhere, but it does make you kind of relieved when something happens to go wrong in Corvallis. (laughs) People were wondering and even speculating, was it just coincidental timing that the touchdown and then everything, you know, all the boards and everything's flashing and there was speculation, well, did the system get overloaded and cause an outage? It would seem an odd coincidence. Yeah, yeah you know, they, they did because they flicker those boards on scores, right? And you have to wonder, did that have something to do with it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, th- this is off a little bit, but I, I thought that when lights went in at Goss many years ago, one time they, were, they went out and someone had said those lights, these big industrial strength lights at stadiums, are literally controlled from someplace in Kansas City or wherever it might be. And that's why it takes so long, because someone has to get there, be notified, and turn the lights on. And then they start to warm up. Is that 
not true, or is there a switch underneath the stadium here where you turn them back I on? I may be revealing too much. There is a switch. Now, is there some other magic that happens two-thirds away across the country? Maybe. Yeah. But, I mean, we do have switches, yeah. And I know, yeah. depending on how old different lights are at different right. venues, it usually... You know, Gil, what was it, a couple seasons ago was when we finally redid the lights in Gil. Mm -hmm. And we're able, you know, now to shut them off for the intro video. We used to get requests, turn them off for the intro video. And those took 45 minutes mm -hmm. once you have those turned on, the old ones. So, <laughs> you know, technological advances sure. help out for fan experience. If you have anything you'd like to contribute in our remaining minute sessions with Sarah, Sarah Elcano, kind enough to join us again this week here on the Joe Beaver Show. Anything from Seattle, when you go on these road trips, you observe. Yeah, they had Miley Cyrus playing, too, didn't they, at one point you up know, there? I they mean, played I that when the lights were out, and I thought, this is a sign. This is a sign. Good I was feeling us. good. Yeah. I was feeling good, yeah. 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 And, but they had, do they always, and I don't know, I wonder if they pick a different Seattle legend, but they had Nirvana, kind of a little bit of a downer type feel, but it's still one of their own yeah. is it, between the third and fourth quarter, didn't they? They did, and I don't recall that in past years okay, there. So I don't maybe, either. You know, they yeah. might be searching for that third quarter tradition and maybe mm -hmm. going local is the route they're looking for. I thought they executed their military stuff really well. That mm -hmm. was their military game, and I thought they did a great job with that. Um, their band did a halftime show that was military-themed. So just really good tie-ins on their part. And then I think they, they use – they have 360 boards, and they use them really well for those yeah. scoring moments in different pieces. So that's good for us to go watch different venues that already have the 360. Mm -hmm to prepare for next year when we will. Dave writes in to say, what did you think of the Bob Hope impersonation halftime routine? I'm not I even was, sure what he's talking about. I was a bit tied up during halftime, so I think I missed that. I heard, I heard, could hear the band from where I was at, but I couldn't visually see, so I'm not okay. sure which piece well, that must, was. Must be a military tie-in because Bob Hope entertained the troops. Oh, okay. But I guess but it was, was a... Was somebody singing Thanks for the Memories? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. No. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't... We, you, during halftime, you were busy, and that's the time that Jim and I can take a break, and we wa wander through, try to find something to drink or eat, use the restroom... I don't, I rarely, with due respect, I yeah. rarely see halftime shows. I see everything you do. <laughs> Sarah, <laughs> anything else out of the Seattle presentation, the Husky Stadium? No, you know, one concession item that intrigues me, this is a small yeah. piece, but they do fish and chips and clam chowder up there, which mm. is on brand, but, mm -hmm. you know, you get into these November games here, and that may make, make sense. Okay, for us no, to look it at does having. sound pretty good on a night like that. Now, the other thing. They only had, according to a turnstile count person, they in that huge, beautiful stadium, and mm -hmm. it is, and they call it and they tell you throughout, this is the greatest setting in college football. Somebody once gave them that accolade, and it is a great setting, no question. Yeah, for day but games. But their, their turnstile count with fears of the atmospheric river flowing through and people not wanting to get swept up in that evidently or blown away <laughs> into Lake Washington, turnstile 38,000, I heard. Uh, somebody somebody there said there were 38,000 people in the stands of a 70,000-seat stadium, and that looked about right just eyeballing it. We'll have 28. That's not that much of a difference when you consider the difference in the size of the stadium and right. the four, 4 million metro area, et cetera. I mean, it was pretty thin up there. Sarah. It was pretty thin. You know, I kept thinking, is it late-arriving crowd? They called 60, you always call attendance yeah. on tickets distributed, right? right. So they called 62,000. So that's a pretty low return yeah. rate on tickets distributed. But a Friday game, 
with the weather that it was, and then the I-5, the, the delays. Traffic, the snafus. <laughs> well, they had a protest that shut down I-5 oh. for a period of time. Okay. So, I, you know, that could have impacted some folks' decision yeah. to attend. Wow, so. didn't know that. Final thing, Sarah, unless you got, did you get yeah. another question? Oh, oh yeah, a yeah. couple yeah. of them. Okay. Can you oh. please confirm squad tickets still guaranteed for Cal and U of O? Still guaranteed, yes. Excellent. Location to one. be determined, but okay. yes. Here's another one from Amy. Uh, any info on how men's soccer playoffs will work? When do they announce matchups? Good question. Ooh, let's see. Um, info, well, one massive game left, right? The men have UW. Uh, game canceled yesterday. That was tough, but the, yeah. the amount of the field's in great condition, really. The amount of rain that and snow mm -hmm. that came down in a short period of time, there was several areas on the field that had more than an inch of standing water. And so we get out there with the officials and the conference, and it's actually comical. They have to throw a ball down, and if the ball doesn't bounce, the <laughs> conditions are unplayable. <laughs> and it was very clear that wasn't going to wow. happen. Yeah. So unplayable. Um, so that game, you know, not likely to get made up as it won't impact a conference title or anything like that. UW's already won it. But men have UW left. That would be an enormous win to get – or tie, another or, or tie, <laughs> another tie. Uh, a seventh tie. Fourteenth is yeah, the selection. Yeah, and we'll show. see how these last, you know, last few games shake out. Men are in a good position, though. I Monday, think. November fourteenth from today. Yes, TJ today. says Thanks, next TJ. week is selection show. And I, the men are in good shape to to be a host. I Potentially, mean, ho you yeah. know, you could end up on the road, but definitely in good shape, That's I think, good. to make the trip. And um, why are drinks sold in bottles and cans in Reeser? Uh, other stadiums, that's not done for safety reasons. Cans and bottles can make great projectiles. <laughs> well, don't throw them, whoever's asking, <laughs> yes. Um, it was part of, you know, with reduced capacity this year, and then also, you know, limited concessions with reduced capacity, everybody's pushed into one area. The amount of time that folks have to wait in line, we're trying to cut down on that. The uh, soda, what are they called? Fountain drinks. Take longer. Substantial amount of time for the for those yeah. to be poured. So that was mostly a decision that was made, thinking this this will get people through the queue mm. faster. Uh, from me, uh, you were talking about the clam chowder thing. You, you know, you're walking the park and seeing what it was. Uh, the tomato soup that used to be served at the press box would be great in concessions. It would. I, I think used it would to give be Steve Fink a hard time about the tomato soup, but, you know, it might make sense now. Yeah, no, it's for yeah. concessions because it tastes so good. The last thing, Sarah, and that is what you touched on. This is an event that's taken shape, well, I wouldn't say behind the scenes or without our participation and input here on the Joe Beaver Show and elsewhere. But the Title IX celebration did have, in a sense, it felt like uh, energy, organization a life of its own almost apart from the what we do here every Monday week to week am I right about that there were a lot of people who put in a lot of time how was the event and so on that you observed and how I, I have a feeling even though I wasn't part of the it it, well, because I was not because I, hey, I'm really surprised it went well. I wasn't part of it. No, <laughs> I, that isn't what I'm getting at. What I'm saying is without the usual sort of build into these types of events, we weren't involved really at all. I heard that it was just a huge hit and tremendous. What did you see Saturday? It was phenomenal. Okay. It was kind of one of those events that I'll remember forever. Uh, both the Hall of Fame part and the 50th anniversary of Title IX. Mm -hmm. And so... This was months of planning, right. really years, right? Years in the making where every five years here we've done a, a Title IX event and those have grown and grown. 
and got some of these folks back into the fold, which really set the table then for this year. We, I think it was 186 was the final count of women who were honored in some capacity. Mm -hmm. So Hall of Fame was a portion of that, you know, very deserving, um, legitimate Hall of Fame members for a lifetime mm -hmm. now. And then we had a trailblazer group, and that group was, you know, women from around that Title IX era, either just prior or just thereafter, that did, you know, something first in their sport, something significant, kind of hit a milestone that no one else had. And so it was, I mean, it was really an emotional night. You had some who hadn't, you know, teammates who hadn't seen each other in 50 years since they left Corvallis. Wow, wow. nice. They told stories of, you know, what it, what it was like then versus now. Mm -hmm. And in the program we had – a current student athlete, so Sierra Bishop gets up and talks about what it's like now and also had a moment to thank all of them, mm -hmm. you know, for coming mm -hmm. before her. So it really just, you know, took you through time and the then and the now and the stories and just seeing them all reunions and hugs. The social was very loud, <laughs> a very rambunctious <laughs> nice. social. So nice. a long evening with lots of planning, but incredibly worth it. Good for you. Wow, that's great. So a big weekend it was with a huge family fun weekend coming up here this weekend. Six o'clock. Do you did, did you like to hear the time rolled out for Tempe at twelve fifteen local, eleven fifteen Pacific? That's that feels like we won't be getting home at four or five in the morning. That's a good thing. Right? That's a great time. That is a yeah. great time. You know, we we're hoping on Cal to see that. You know, we kind of knew some window possibilities. We're hoping for yeah. maybe maybe a four o'clock, mm -hmm. um, six. I'll always take six over a seven thirty. Sure. Um, but appreciate, you know, we've had these early evening kickoffs a lot at home this season. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much the whole slate. But everyone, you know, tickets out and tickets distributed pretty much match up this year. So appreciate that, you know, regardless of what that time slot is, you know, everybody's showing up. Sarah, thanks for dropping by. A busy week. Thanks for uh, joining us. We'll see you next week for another session. we got to go play some basketball Sarah. today. Yeah, That's right. Two games tonight. Two games. Play some basketball. No, looking forward to it. And, then and two games on that uh, on the 19th. While that 11-15 game starts, that's good because then people can have their attention turned to those two games. And the women, yeah, it's a busy week. I've got two games. Ron has two games yep. this week at Gill, and tonight we've got a doubleheader. So it's an exciting time. With And just we just got to kind of – football has a lot of big things to play for. And Jonathan touched on it right from the start, and the question was, do you feel like Nick said, some of the goals maybe you had you are not now attainable. They're just, you know, winning the Pac-12 title. Not attainable with three losses at this point. So what do you do? Well, as Sandy Koufax used to say, I go into every game with the intention of pitching a no-hitter. If I give up a hit, then I'm pitching a one-hitter. If I give <laughs> up a shutout, then I'm the going to pitch a one-run game. That's so the let's way go. I think about it. Beavers still have a chance to win ten games this year. Go, man. Go. So, okay, real quick on that. <laughs> then from <laughs> internal, when – I don't know how the slotting goes when it comes to bowls, but you know that – Certain up right around this time of year with three games left, you know, you, you got to be start being thinking, okay, where might we go and how will we handle that kind of a thing? How much is that internal and you're just sitting there waiting? <laughs> are they slotted? Well, I know they are, but they are and they aren't. You right. know, you can, you can there, be there's taken. an order to them and they can, some of those can bypass the order yeah. if they want to. They'll look at ticket numbers, they'll look at, you know, who have they had recently? Do they want a new face? There, there's a lot of factors. So, we start planning because we have to. Right. <laughs> you know, you can't fall behind on this, but you you start planning for multiple scenarios. You'd almost have to m literally make a plan for every date. You if do. you win three, 
you know, I know that I saw yesterday projections rolled out and yeah. like the Sun Bowl, Sun Bowl, Sun Bowl, Sun that's, Bowl. That's Sun Bowl. the one. Nothing wrong with it. That, if that ends up being what right. the Beavers do, that's great. I, we've had great times in El Paso and would again. It would be an excellent mm-hmm. experience. But let's just say you do pick yourself back up, win the last three. One of those would include a gigantic upset here. Uh, to end the regular season, maybe, you know, deliver to them their their only conference loss, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Who knows? It's it's always – I'm looking forward to that game. I think it's a good matchup for I the Beavers too. in a lot of ways. And I mean, good, relatively speaking, but a chance for the Beavers to win that game here. Absolutely. If you do that, Sarah, then I do think then maybe this whole – people are assuming a loss in that game to get the Beavers perhaps to the Sun. I think if you win the last three, then you're maybe in that top three potential of, of the bowl destination. You're potentially, yeah. yeah. You know, you got to keep an eye on now. What do the Huskies do the rest yes. of the way? What do the Cougs do? There, there's a whole list now yes. of you can, you know, take care of your games. Then we see what these other teams right. do. It, it would be a big lift on the list if you can get one into the playoffs, another into the New Year's Six. You know, that kind of frees right. up a couple more than right. Pac-12 bowls. So. There's so many factors. but If I'd you're out now, which we are, then we, you'd almost hope that the, the, to get into a CFP, you know, the, certainly not the, the, the outfit from down the road yeah. because you'll beat them and knock them out of that. But USC maybe with a shot at it, go man, go to yeah. that. Yeah. Then, you know, who knows what happens in the, in the, uh, the other bowls. But it just, I guess what I'm saying is the sun is, is people are talking about that being the likely destination you still might be able to play your way into that holiday Alamo Vegas conversation. I think you can. Yeah. Yep. Correct. Yeah. 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 Okay. Week by week. Thank take you, care Sarah. Of our yeah. business. Here we go. Uh, beat Cal first. Thanks a lot, Sarah. We'll take a break on that note. If you'd like to join us down the stretch, four nine seven fifty three fifty six on the Downward Dog phone line, the University Honda text line on twelve forty Joe Radio. You're listening to The Joe Beaver Show. We know you've got a busy schedule, and it isn't always easy to call in. But take Damian Lillard. Here's the Trailblazers star on how he approaches calling into The Joe Beaver Show. It goes a long way. You know, it doesn't take too much time. But, you know, sometimes you just, you know, maybe you're at dinner and you're trying to enjoy time with your family. I know I, I understand both sides, but, you know, I'd say 90, 95% of the time, I try to go the extra mile for somebody who I know is going to mean a lot to. So be more hmm. like Damien and call in now to the Joe Beaver Show. Boy, speaking of Damien Lillard, how frustrating is it when a guy like that gets hurt, strained calf muscle in a game a week ago? He says, well, if this was a playoff game, it would have been, I, I would have been able to play. I'm only going to miss one game is what the the team says, and then he goes and misses three, and he's, he may be out for another one. He's questionable now. He's been upgraded to questionable for tonight's game at Miami. And it's like, man, the, the whole, you know, hiding or, or working with injuries can be frustrating. And it's like, just say they're out for a long time if you think they are. But because it's been like, a, well, no, not today, not today, not today. Well, he was going to miss one game, he, one half, mm-hmm. and now it's turned into three games. So he's questionable for tonight's game. Five o'clock, by the way, on, on 1340. And speaking of uh, injuries, John, that we were talking during the break about, yeah, I mean, everybody has players out and players they're missing. So this isn't peculiar to Oregon State, but. Luke Musgrave's absence has hurt. It's hurt in the yeah. passing game. There's no question about that. And Trey Lowe, kind of an underrated third down type back, a different option 
than just the Jack Coletto package on third. And Lowe was very versatile. Mm-hmm. I was glad to hear that he's getting closer because he could be, he could give the team a lift down the stretch if he's able to return beginning. What's his injury? I'm not exactly sure what it is. It's been a long time. Yeah, long recovery. Yeah. But if uh, if he's if he's able to, to to make a contribution, he's a good third down back because he can be he's effective out of the backfield uh, as a receiver. And he also they pick their spots well with him. I mean, he's a, another dimension. While we're we're certainly commiserating and we're going to go to Dan and Paul here in just a second. I, I'm glad somebody did ask about the <laughs> the Fenwick Coletto wrinkle. That was a beautifully conceived play with a variation on the Coletto theme just to slide Jack over, snap it to Deshaun. Yeah. Coletto with a bruising block to create the, the lane. That was a that was a big time play in that game. Well, Coletto's not a surprise anymore. Right. He, no, everyone knows about him, so if you're going to use him you got to maybe uh, hide some stuff and yeah. use them in different ways. Um, I, I thought that the – was it a third followed by a fourth to Coletto? Yeah. And the fourth was, was – well, on one of them he slipped. Yes. And then on the other one it was like, well – Yeah, no, I know. I know. Different play call that I, uh, I think yeah. even Coach said, well, maybe a different play mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, Coletto is so great, but he's not a surprise anymore. And I thought that was a great yeah. play. Yeah. The Wildcat. Oh gosh, getting down there to the six. I was. We're all think visions of fourteen nothing dancing in our yeah, heads. Yeah, should have been. Yeah, let's go to. <laughs> let's go beat Cal. It's too painful. Yeah, it's too much. Too tough to think about all that might have been. <sighs> let's go to Dan and Beaverton on the Joe Beaver Show. Dan, good afternoon. Hi guys. Yeah, I was up in Seattle, and that wind was nastier than you could even experience on TV. So. Mm-hmm. I kind of agree with not trying to kick the field goal, especially with our inconsistency this year. <clears throat> and uh, I'm the one that uh, texted you. I, I guess my phone shows up as William on your your thing. Oh, it does. You are it. you are. That's will you're How in the world you you show up as William Harmon? You sent us that. Well, yes, I did. That's my. I, my legal name is William Daniel. Okay, and, uh, Bill. Anyway, okay, Dan. Junior, so <laughs> okay, Dan. <laughs> Sorry about that. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, that that was a great text, and thank you for that. I, I, I how did that happen to cross your feed? The Trojans Wire take <laughs> on Michael Mothershed and crew. It's funny. It was actually a duck friend that texted that to me uh, Sunday morning. <laughs> And it just so succinctly uh, <clears throat> pointed out the incompetence and the problems that were happening. But uh, most of those things happened in the first half. Mm-hmm. We went into halftime saying, this much has gone wrong and we still have a lead. Right. And it was more our performance in the second half that let us down. And I think the observers were right. They're Both of their lines are a little more talented than ours, and they wore us down at the end. Yeah, just the opposite, in a sense, of what how we thought the Beavers' strength and play might play out. We thought it would be the Beaver run game at the end that would wear them down. And, lead. and I, in fact, it almost looked like it was going to play out that way before the administrative penalties, and you end up just in a bad way after it looked like you had a promising drive going to take the lead. 
the and then Losher punts and punts it at the three, and I still felt, you know, four and a half to play, Dan, yes. that, okay, yeah, that last drive didn't work out, and they had to punt, and it's bad, but Washington was starting at the three, but then the issue that reared its ugly head all night, from the eight-yard line, third and six from the eight, mm. that, I felt, was ball game. He yeah. got the ball out to Devin Culp, his tight end, First down conversion, and my heart sank at that moment. Like, okay, we're not, we certainly didn't pin them. Right. We're not going to have the great field position, we hope. We're still going to get a stop, is kind of what I was thinking, but it's going to be harder for the offense. But when you add that to, and then even later on the drive before the final field goal, a third and six, and Cam Davis swings, he goes in motion, and he just keeps going in motion and swings out of the backfield, and they throw it to him, and he dives and catches it. That was a th- Third and six play. You had a third and 16, third and 11, fourth and 10, third and goal from the 24. Mm. I mean, for a defense that did a lot of good things, those plays did get away from them. Yeah, that last drive was painful because Pinnock just seemed on fire. And yeah. He wasn't. Uh, their receivers made some terrific plays, and we were just worn down. Uh, I, before I hang up, I just want to say that the Husky fans were the most uh, cordial they've ever been in my years going up there and they knew they were in for a game and uh, I just appreciated their sportsmen and hmm. kind of lack of arrogance compared to the past years so yeah. it was, overall it was a good experience came out with a lot of respect disappointment but you got to go forward Dan thank you for the call and the text too I'll remember that make a note I'll change you in my context in fact to uh, Dan in Beaverton, but that was an excellent text. Thanks for sending it our way. Good to talk to you. Let's go to um, Paul, I believe, is on deck on the Downward Dog phone line. Paul, good afternoon. Uh, hey, Mike. Uh, i got to admit, I didn't watch the first uh, quarter. I was uh, busy otherwise, but hmm. uh, I didn't get to see those two fourth down plays. Yeah. Uh, but uh, getting to that last drive, the minute they made that third and six out of the end zone, yeah, I said to my wife, "Well, yeah, Washington's going to do to us exactly what we did to them last year and kick yeah. a field goal on the final play of the game." Yep, yep, it played out exactly like yeah. that, and they got they exacted their revenge at home, and that you know, Jim Wilson has said, and you know. If this game, even with all the things that went wrong, if if the same two teams met and played that game at Reeser, the Beavers probably won oh, by, yes. by one or three or yes. four points. Yes. I mean, it, it, it makes a difference. They were very even. Yeah. Yeah, and I was, I was shocked to hear how many people weren't at the Husky game. You know, usually <clears throat> they're not fair with the people. I mean, they usually right. show up because they're used to that kind of weather in the winter. Yep. But, uh it was kind of fun. Actually, my son was there because he lives up there now. So good for him. Uh, he was a little disappointed with the game, of course. <laughs> mm. uh, he, he graduated from Morgan State. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it was a it was a disappointment, and I was uh, not satisfied with Jonathan Smith's answers at the press conference. Uh, in past years, the uh, uh, CW was always that uh, common wisdom was that. You know, you always took the points, you know, and, and him saying that, that Everett Hayes was uh, fully recovered and, and in good shape, that even uh, says to me that I'm pretty much right that they should have actually kicked the field goal back 
it makes sense that he said, well, that's just like a punt if we don't make it on or a missed field goal when we don't make it on fourth down. And I, I just totally disagree with that. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're not alone. You're, not, you're alone. not alone. And even Big Jim Wilson said after going up 7 nothing, and you missed all of this, but they drove the field again and looked very close to going up 14 nothing. It looked like perhaps at worst it would be 10 nothing. Yeah. You know, at the end yeah. when you didn't hit it on third and even lost a yard or two on that third down and uh, Coletto package play, he yeah. slipped yeah. and lost yardage. So now it's fourth and two and a half or three, and they eschewed – uh, a field goal mm. to try to go to get the first down and didn't get it. Mm. And the Huskies come off the field cele- celebrating like they just won the Pac-12 title in Vegas yeah. because they they knew they were staring down a 14 to nothing deficit or at least 10 nothing. Now it's still only 7 nothing, and they got the stop. I felt like I mean, the game changed dramatically right then and there. Yeah, and I, I, I was able to listen to the first quarter on my phone, so I I need to hear your calls. So, and Jim, was nice. Jim was saying, Mike, a field goal would have made sense there to go up two scores. Just the psyche, the psyche, the psychology of being yeah. up two scores is pretty big. But you know, Jonathan did not today. It, to your point, Paul, flat out say, "Yeah, we should have kicked." He just said, "You know, we <laughs> we we did what we did." His only difference would have been maybe to call a different play on, on the the last couple of four. Maybe the it did sound like maybe. <laughs> He was regretting not kicking when they bootlegged out on fourth and whatever that was. Yeah, well, it, and he did take responsibility for it. He didn't, I mean, he didn't so much say, you know, it's on me. But mm-hmm. uh, his answer pretty much said we just made that decision so yeah. we can just go ahead and extrapolate that it was on him. Yeah. Well, thanks, Paul. Thanks for the call, Paul. Good text, to hear from you. Got some yeah. texts. Here's okay. one that's interesting. It was a timer that was not turned off, according to Seattle media. What, for the lights? Set to 10 p.m. to save power. Oh, my gosh. That's and they ridiculous. didn't turn it off, and it okay. took that long for those lights to turn back on again. Interesting. Okay, thank you. What else? Um, there was uh, – they're scattered from things that we've said throughout the show. I'm wondering if for the Friday night men's basketball game I can get my tickets at the box office or are we, we required now to buy them online ahead of time? Well, that was a Sarah question, and she's gone, and I don't know, but we'll try to get a, uh, an answer to that and maybe slip it in tomorrow if we can. I can't find the Facebook remark that I saw. Sunday, each side goes on and off at 20-minute intervals. Okay, that's about okay. the light situation, okay. but it was <coughs> we found out. And then... Uh, uh, most people I saw in Section 302 were Beaver fans, Tom and Corvallis. Thank you, Tom. At, at the game, he said, and the whole thing about the lights. Different service from safety lights. Okay, I was at the game last Friday. Assumed power outage. Lights could be on different service from safety lights, etc. 200,000 people lost power that night. Uh, see, I wondered about that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I thought, is this weather related to the, you know, to the dire conditions, the winds and so on in the... Puget Sound area. It was it was pretty wild. Right, right. Um, dear Joe Beaver Show, I'd hope you could uh, could have Joe Starkey on for the Cal game. That's actually something we're doing. Joe is going to be on this week. Uh, I've yeah. already reached out to him, and he just said he <clears throat> that he would get to me after today and set a time. We'll have the legendary voice Doug, on. That's Doug from Salem, and <clears throat> uh, Andy says they are open. Minimizes use as a projectile. That on the. <laughs> uh, okay. Glass and hey, 
Quick, uh, hey, if, uh, uh, TJ, <clears throat> TJ, is Josh still on the line for a 20-second bit? Okay, Josh, go ahead. What do you got? Hey, Mike hey. and John. I'll, I'll probably call back again because I have a lot of thoughts on the game, okay. World Series and everything. But yeah. uh, I heard from a connection in the IT department at UW that they had been having problems with the lights all week. So hmm. okay. I'll call again and, and yeah. talk further about it. But they knew something would happen on, on Friday night. Interesting. Well, they were right. <laughs> it did. Yes, they were. Thanks for the call, Josh. We'll talk again later in the week. We'll talk again later tonight. I appreciate uh, Ron dropping by, Jonathan Smith, Sarah Alcano, TJ back in studio. Paul time. says you can always buy tickets at Gill. Paul oh, says that. Okay. He goes a lot of things. Okay, and they'll have your tickets if you already got them, if you're a season yeah. ticket holder, they'll have them there. Tonight, 5 o'clock, Ron Callen, his pregame, 8.30 for the Five. men's pregame. The Beavers in a basketball doubleheader. See you tonight at Gill and tomorrow on 1240 Joe Radio.